Ryan? Okay. Guys, we've been talking about things that we are appointed to. And uh, here's what we finished um, last week. We said we were appointed to follow, as in one of the things God calls us to is to follow implicitly, immediately. No questions asked. Eh? That's the kind of following he likes. And we talked about how here is a man walking uh, the shores of Galilee and he turns to two fishermen who are busy washing their nets and he says, come follow me. And there's absolutely no hesitation. There's no, there's no thinking it through. There is an immediate dropping of the nets saying bye to their dad and walking away. We appointed to follow. The second thing we said was we were we are appointed to bear fruit, and that was in John. That was from John chapter 15, where it says that um, one of the reasons you were chosen was so that you would bear fruit. And what do you mean by bearing fruit? If you're a Jesus tree, you must bear Jesus fruit, just like if you're an apple tree, you bear apples. So bearing fruit is not getting people saved. Bearing fruit is beginning to look more like Jesus. The third thing we said we were appointed to was we were appointed to walk like him. Walk like him as in one of the things that was so obvious in Jesus' life was his words and his works. And he always had them go together. Eh? There was never a separation between Jesus' words and works. And whenever anyone questioned his words, he would say, well, saying it is easy, is easy, so let me show you that I actually can do what I say. And then he would turn to the man who was paralyzed and he'd say, rise up, pick up your bed and walk. So we talked about being appointed to walk like him. Then we said we are appointed to receive the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 2.22 actually says that you and I are being built together to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. You and I are being built together to become a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the fact that we are appointed to receive the Holy Spirit. Appointed to receive, eh? Because we began this whole thing saying, a disciple is someone who is appointed to a unique lifestyle. And there are specific things that God wants us to become. And uh, the last one we talked about last week was, you're appointed to great kindness. You're not appointed to wrath. First Thessalonians 5 says, Hey, you weren't appointed to angry rejection, Jacob. You were appointed to tremendous kindness. And it says so in Ephesians 2.7, where it says, And God raised us up and seated us in the heavenly places. Why? So that he may shower us with grace and kindness. That's what we covered last week. So we move on from that today. So here are the things we'll talk about today that we are appointed to. One, and um, Diana and the rest of the guys did a brilliant job conveying this. Guys, we are appointed to the body, eh? We are appointed to the body. Derek, do you know where the pens are? We are appointed to the body. The moment you're a believer, the moment you receive Jesus Christ, it is impossible to live as a believer outside the body. It's just not possible. A believer outside the body doesn't exist, eh? It's only, it's only present-day Christianity that suggests that you can be a believer without being part of the body. Can't happen. It doesn't work. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, the moment you're baptized, what are you being baptized into? You're being baptized into the body of Christ. So to be a believer and not be part of the body is to not be a believer because you're not part of the body. You cannot follow Christ outside of the body. I know that sounds severe and sounds wrong to our ears. It only sounds wrong to our ears because of our individualized Christianity. But it is impossible to follow Christ 
without being part of the body, it is impossible. There are no individual Christians. I know we've said this before, but guys, we are not microcosms of Christ. We are not little Christs. We are little parts of a body. We are little parts of a body. Nobody here is a little Christ. Because how we normally think is like this. Every Sunday, and we only think church happens on Sunday, every Sunday, little Christs come together to form a big Christ. This is what we think Christianity today is like. This is not biblical. It's not little Christs coming together to form a big Christ. If that were the case, Christ draws his identity from us. But here's what's really happening. Throughout the week, the moment you got born again, here's what happened. A nose, an eye, a mustache, a mouth, teeth, ears, all came together to now form what is the body of Christ. Did someone say Jacob? <laughs> true and so that's how you be thank god that's not what the body of christ looks like <laughs> but 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 this is what the body of christ is like a little parts coming together so one of the things you're appointed to is you're appointed to the body you're appointed to the body if you're a believer you're appointed to the body and here's the other thing guys the moment you're appointed to the body i have relational ownership over you i own you Ruth says this to her mother-in-law. Where you go, I will go. Your people become my people. Your God becomes my God. Um, I will not leave you till I die. There's this thing called relational ownership in the body. Where my elbow, in a way, has a relational ownership of my wrist. Because if it doesn't, my hand won't move. So you have a right to own me. And even though I have a right to own you, I choose to be your servant. And when everybody becomes like that, the body begins to function correctly. There's relational ownership in the body. We own each other in Christ. And yet even though we have the right to own each other, we choose to be servants. Isn't this what Christ displayed in John chapter 13? I mean, if there was anyone who had a right to own, it was him. The king of the universe. And what does he do? He goes down on his knees and he starts washing their feet. Saying, if your teacher becomes a servant, this is what is expected of you. If the master has become a servant, then that's what is expected of servants. Guys, exert relational ownership in your mind and exert servanthood in your heart. Know that you can and must and should depend on the body around you. I feel bad when people are in trouble and they don't call on the body. I feel bad when people need help and they don't depend on the body. It's like having a bank account that you're not willing to draw from. Any questions on that? Yeah. Can I switch the mic? I thought you were going to come up with a more profound question, Derek. Check, 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 check. check. 
Yep. Yeah, I should know that I have relational ownership over you. As in, I, because you're part of this body, you have a right over my life and I have a right over your life. But having said that in my heart, I will always come to you as a servant to serve you. And when you have the same attitude, then what happens is exploitation goes out of the window and dependence increases. When I don't think like that, that's when abuse happens. Where the pastor can begin to abuse people, when he can begin to exploit people. But when Jesus comes with a mindset that I'll wash your feet, even though he's master, he now comes as a servant. When everybody in the church begins to function like that, exploitation goes out of the window and servanthood and dependence kicks in. This is the degree of relationship that the body is supposed to function in. Eh? We've, we've diluted it to fellowship with coffee and cookies. How pathetic it is. Choose to, choose to own each other. It says that about marriage, eh, that the wife's body doesn't belong to her and the husband's body doesn't belong to him. This is where we need to go. You should read what Ruth says to Naomi. It is the crux of how a church should be. Where it is saying... I, death will do us apart. I mean, imagine having a church commit to that, eh? That listen, and by a church, I don't just mean a local body, because tomorrow you may move to a country like Chilliwack, but you can still be part of the body, right? And you say to each other, listen, you and I have committed to each other to a point where only death will do us apart. Wow. I want to say that to you, eh? I'm not looking for a job. I'm not looking for another pastor. I'm not looking for another church. So till death do us apart, you and I are stuck. Look happier. <laughs> Renny, you look kind of sad when I made that statement. <laughs> yep. responsibility the second thing we are appointed to guys so the first thing we are appointed to is the minister uh, appointed to we are appointed to the body hey go over this every I mean I, at least I've been going over this every day uh, over the last one week saying oh shucks father so I'm appointed to follow you and I'm supposed to follow you implicitly immediately Two, I'm appointed to bear fruit I got to begin to look more like you in character and nature three I'm appointed to walk like you so I got to do the same works and speak the same words that you do and actually see results Four, I'm appointed not to re angry rejection but to kindness father it's your nature to shower with kindness you are a God who's embarrassingly lavish and extravagantly kind want to experience that these are the things that we have to go over in our head because as we think, so we inhabit. Yeah? So the next thing we are appointed to is we are appointed to the ministry of reconciliation. These are things common to every believer, eh? Appointed to the ministry of reconciliation. Big word. What it simply means is, hey, I've called you to show and tell. I've called you to show and tell. 
appointed to the ministry of reconciliation because guys every church is supposed to be apostolic and by all i mean by that is every church is supposed to be a church that is set apart to be sent to represent him accurately that at the end of the day is the definition of being apostolic that you are a people we are a people that are set apart and why were we set apart i love the question why every time someone read stuff here why are we being set apart why have we been pulled out of the world we've been pulled out of the world so that we can be set apart kadosh holy to do what to be sent right back into the world why so that we may accurately represent the king and when a sent people when a people who've been set apart to be sent choose not to go they become stale they become purposeless and they become presenceless that's the saddest part eh they become stale they become purposeless i can handle stale and purposeless i got bread that is old in my fridge but what i can't handle is presenceless presenceless where where suddenly it's not that god is in present but you lose out on his presence because you aren't moving where he is moving God will always grace us with his presence. Hey, his spirit lives in us. But you begin to get dull to his presence cuz we're not on the same frequency. It's like a husband and wife who've had an argument and are sitting 2 inches from each other in a car and yet there's a wall that is about 6 feet thick. I mean, some of you know that feeling, right? No, you don't. That's good. <laughs> But the point is this, guys. The moment I choose not to go and you cannot follow Christ without going we've talked about this if you want to follow Jesus you must go i have to live with this attitude of father every morning when i wake up i am part of a people who are sent and what am i sent for to accurately represent you i'm appointed to this so father every day give me opportunities to show and tell show and tell i got to show who you are not just through my nature but through some of the things people spoke about here laying on a fans and praying for the sick guys this should be so natural for us eh and the day is coming because remember what mark read that things are being renewed repent in the areas that i need to repent in we're starting a brand new series next sunday i was talking to some of the guys about this last night and so mark didn't know that and so i love the fact that that's what god said through him and we'll talk about that before i finish yeah that's exactly what mark was saying romans chapter 10 says there it is impossible for people to come into a place of reconciliation with god unless they hear and it's impossible for them to hear unless someone is sent to speak to them show and tell show and tell come back next sunday with stories of show and tell somebody's cat was sick i prayed for it and the cat recovered someone's stomach was hurting someone needed comfort saw bruno at the gate of the mall gave him some food had 30 dollars indulged in random acts of kindness stood on my balcony and began to speak over the city show and tell show and tell hey we can do this guys it's not a big ask the problem is being intentional about it it's surprising how intentionality pulls together opportunities that you otherwise don't notice intentionality 
pulls towards you opportunities that would otherwise slip by you. That's what intentionality does. I mean, today when Marcus and, uh, what's his name? Karen, what's your husband's name? Mike, yeah. Uh, when Marcus and Mike were playing, they were intentionally playing a certain way so that Rachel and Betty and um, Don could be supported in their singing. It is very intentional, the way they were playing. That's not the way they play when I lead worship. I mean, they were sounding better than I've ever heard them before. But intentionality pulls together opportunities that you would otherwise miss. Third, or whatever number, you're appointed to afflictions. You're appointed to affliction. You're appointed to afflictions. As in not sickness and disease, but it says in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2 to 4, that Paul says, listen, I'm writing to you to establish and encourage you concerning your faith so that you won't be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. What does Paul mean by this? Guys, bear the scorn and the opposition of the world. You were appointed to that. You and I were appointed to bear the scorn and the opposition of people around us. This is why we like putting a basket over the lamp. Jesus said, if you light a lamp, would you put a basket over it? No, Jesus, but the reason I do it, Lord, is because I do not like to be scorned and I don't like to be opposed. I like to be liked. But you were appointed to this. The moment you became a believer, God said, hey, forgot to tell you, yes, you'll get a hundredfold for everything you've left and yes, you'll get eternal life, but oops, let me slip this one in too. You'll also get persecution. He says that in Mark 10, 28 to Peter. And so you are, I'm so encouraged by this verse that Jesus, I am actually appointed to scorn and opposition. That I was appointed to this by you. That heaven has this desire for me. And I'm not even going into persecution and suffering because we don't even know what that smells like in this part of the world. But scorn and opposition we know. So let's man up and bear it, eh? Because when we find out that this was what we were meant to face, we have the courage then to speak what we need to speak boldly, knowing we were not supposed to be cool and hip. Such an encouraging verse. I never thought that verse will ever encourage me. Fourth thing you're appointed to. You're appointed to equip. Ugh, I gotta erase this guy off the... Fourth thing you're appointed to... You're, some of us, some of us, some of us are appointed to equip. Some of us are appointed to equip. Some of us were called to be equippers. It says in Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 17, that Christ... See, guys, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, but Christ appoints equippers to the church. The Spirit of God gives gifts as He pleases, but Christ appoints some in the church to be equippers, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be teachers, some to be pastors, some to be evangelists. And many sitting here perhaps are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or teachers, or sometimes a combination of more than one. For what? Why? For the equipping of the saints. Why? So that the saints may engage in the work of ministry. 
unfortunately we can't go into the details of it right now but guys if you know because you have heard god or if you know because you have heard god through prophetic words spoken over you if you know because the spirit of god has kept revealing it to you over and over again that you were called to be one of these five equippers then you need to come and speak to me or someone else who's in leadership here so that uh the process of helping you develop into all that god wants you to become may happen if you know this not because you read it not because someone gave you a gift a uh, book for your birthday not because you suddenly want it but because you know it then you must come and talk about it so that room is created for you both in the body and outside the body to flourish in this calling of being an equipper eh? often churchianity is divided into ministers and equippers neither is more important than the other jesus was both he both ministered and he equipped and when you know what you're supposed to do life becomes so much easier man it's like these yeah oh yeah go won't go into that cuz i won't finish and i need uh, yeah and i really want to finish today any questions on that actually i want to finish but if you have questions we can wait everybody is called to minister some are called to equip neither is important more important than the other cuz you can equip nobody if they don't minister and or you can equip people and they never minister so some are called to equip and if you know that uh, of the five things mentioned in Ephesians 4:11 to 17 and all of them are active now eh because the church is still alive and the holy spirit is present if you know that then have the courage and the audacity to come and say this is going to sound really uh pompous and audacious and proud but i want to say to you that this is what the lord said to me and we can start there and see where it goes from there the difference between equippers and ministers we'll do another day the next thing is guys you'll find um the summary of these notes on acts29.ca tonight or tomorrow way the next thing you're appointed to is you're appointed to spheres you're appointed to spheres that's the word paul uses uh, at least that's the word niv uses not paul you're appointed to spheres as in paul says there are spheres or there are jurisdictions or there are areas that i'm appointed to and i'm going to stick to those areas this is in second corinthians 10 I'm going to stick to those areas. I'm not going to build on someone else's foundations. I'm not going to take what someone else has built and run with it. God has appointed me to a sphere and within this sphere he gives me the grace and the authority to develop it. Find out your my favorite word nowadays is horizon or find out your sphere of operation or find out the area that he's called you to. It doesn't matter how small or how big it is. The beautiful thing about any vineyard that God appoints to you is regardless of the size of the vineyard you will prosper. And what you will do is will prosper. People are continuously looking for big fields to cultivate. 
and then they get overrun by the brambles and the beasts in that field when God since the beginning of time has always given you a little bit he gave Adam a little bit and then said go forth multiply subdue he gave Israel a little bit and said take it a step at a time and then I'll give you the rest of the promised land this is the way he works we unfortunately dream big it's one of the favorite sermons of every youth pastor dream big really bad idea dream with God and let your dream be as big as the dream that God appoints to you and then let it keep getting bigger because God will have to get bigger for you before the dream gets bigger and so what is your sphere what is your sphere that you're called to I mean, if Finn and Ari were here, I would say that to Finn and Ari too, that Finn and Ari, you need to know your sphere at the age of 11 and 12. Leave alone at the age of, are you 90 or 91 now? 91. Amazing, Gisela, for 91. You're doing so well. Yeah, December 7th or 8th, right? 7th. Mine's July 17th, in case you didn't know. I said mine's July 17th, in case you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Have you seen that t-shirt that Roger Federer wears? He was born in July too. He says all the greatest people were born in July. Um, guys, strive to find your present framework and then count the cost and have the courage to walk in it. And if you don't know it, I know we, we flog this horse so often in this church, but if you don't know it, find it out before the end of the year it, and the only way to know it is to be diligent and not lazy and present till God gives you an idea of what you're supposed to do and you must find it because it takes away the need to be anything else it removes ambition it takes away drive it, it, you just begin to function as you were supposed to function. Just imagine that, eh? One of the things I'm looking forward to is to dedicate Matt and Rachel's baby. One of the favorite things I like doing at dedications is to ask God, Father, what was this baby meant to be? Who is this baby meant to be? To give the parents an idea of this is what this child is called to. I mean, you don't even have to wait for the baby. We can pray for the baby right now and speak it if the Lord should reveal it. Where the parents know before the child is born that this is what my child is called to. Hey, it's very biblical. It happens in the Bible over and over and over and over and over again. Find your sphere and framework and man, life becomes so much easier. And I know I've said this before, but it's so worth saying. God allocates resources, not based on what you're doing, but who you are. God allocates resources not based on what you're doing, but who you are. Find out who you are and you will always have the resources for it. Always. The next thing you're appointed to, I love this one. You're appointed to authority. You're appointed to authority. You're appointed to authority. Ah, Jesus says that to them, eh? He doesn't say that in Matthew 28. He does. 
but far before Matthew 28, Matthew 10, he says to the disciples that he's sending out two by two and to the 12, he says, listen, I have given you, I am calling you to, I'm appointing you to exert authority. Over what? He begins with serpents and scorpions. He talks about demons. He talks about powers. He talks about nations. In Revelation 2, verse 22 or 24, it says, to him who overcomes, I will give you authority over nations. That's the extreme end of it, eh? Because God's always been looking for nations. Genesis 1.28 starts with that whole idea. Listen, be fruitful, multiply, and then do what? Subdue. Why? Because I'm giving you all this to exert authority over on my behalf. Acts 26 verse 18. I think Paul was in front of Agrippa and he begins to say this to Agrippa. He says... I have been sent to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those that are being sanctified by faith in Christ. Guys, one of the reasons we have authority is, um, when, when Christians think of authority, it's just to meet in conferences and cast down a few demons they can't see. And they feel very powerful after that and they go back to their churches and nothing happens. But authority was really given so that we can open eyes that are blind. To bring people out of darkness into light. Isaiah 49 talks about it where it says, God says that listen, go and say to those in darkness, come out, it is safe to come into the light. Say to those that are prisoners, you've been set free. That's the authority we are talking about. And it's absolutely exertable. You should ask this guy what fun it was in Shillong. Not just dealing with powers and the demonic, but having a whole nation begin to turn. This is what we've been called to, guys. And you can't learn this unless you walk in step with others who are doing this. No maverick ever learns this. The easiest way to be subdued by the demonic is to walk as a maverick. When you walk with others who perhaps are running 10 steps ahead of you, you learn this. And I've, I mean, one of the things I've been talking over the last week with people is, how can we create in Acts 29 situations where, just like all of um, the household in Langley did what they did here, that we have occasions to now learn how to exert authority first in Jerusalem so that we can then go to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Hey, I am so excited about where we're going. You'll find out next week. See, the thing is, guys, the moment you were seated with Christ in heavenly places, authority was no longer a choice. The moment you were seated with Christ in heavenly places, the question of whether you have authority or not was laid to rest. The question now is not whether you have it or not. The question is whether you will learn how to exert it or not. It's not whether you have it or not. If you have been raised with him, then you have been seated with him in heavenly places. So that is settled. Now it's only a question of will I, will I learn? And at the end of the day, real authority is simply a battle for intimacy. Real authority is simply a battle for intimacy. And your purity 
or your intimacy is always evidenced in purity. Your intimacy is always evidenced in purity. Your intimacy is always evidenced in purity. It is very hard this, for, for the enemy to touch someone who begins to walk a pure life. This is why Jesus said, he has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. I mean, what could the devil do when you have no hook, nothing? Next one. You're appointed to good works. 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 For we are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ, that he prepared before the foundation of time. Ephesians 2.10. Guys, all your gifts, all the opportunities that will come your way this week, your work, your relationships, every circumstance that will come your way this week, all of it is for one purpose, for the fulfillment of Matthew 28.18-20. All of it. What does Matthew 28, 18 to 20 say? It says, go. It says, make disciples. It says, um, draw them into the kingdom community. It says, teach them by asking them to observe how you live. And to that, the only thing I'll add is, be super generous as you walk in good works. Good works is a sum total of all the things God intended for you to do here on earth. Good works is the sum total of all the things God intended you to do while you're here on earth. And he created you uniquely so that you may accomplish them. And every situation, all your relationships, all the giftings you have, the talents you have, the work and the vocation you're presently engaged in, all head towards one common end or one common calling. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go, make disciples. Draw them into the kingdom community. Teach them to observe your life and learn from you as you imitate me. And be generous. Why am I throwing in be generous? Because in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, there's this amazing scripture which says, Hey Jacob, if you are generous, here's what I'm going to do. I, God, am absolutely able to make all things abound to you. So that you have an all-sufficiency at all times to abound in every good work. Let me say that again. When you and I choose to be generous, you should go read Psalm 41. It'll blow your minds when you read Psalm 41 and you find out what happens to a generous one. Don't read it now. But here's what God wants to say. If you're generous, here's what's going to happen, Jacob. I, God, am absolutely able to make all grace abound to you so that in every situation you will have an all sufficiency for every good work all the time that is nuts man what a way to live last two and derek you coming up after this uh psalm 41 you can read it at home huh i'm almost at the end i've got just one more left this is my favorite one eh because this is what we're going to head off on uh, next week. Guys, before I say that, you know one of the things we haven't done at Acts 29 for the last 12, 13 years? We've, we've known Jesus as 
um, elder brother, as friend, as healer, baptizer, redeemer. Uh, we've known God as father. But one of the things God wants, now, uh, God wants us to discover of him now is to recognize Jesus Christ as king. To see him as king. We obey him because we love him. Now he wants to shift that and say, obey me because I am your king and I command you. To be captured by his majesty. Not drawn by cords of love. God's done that. But now to be captured by his majesty. To see the one who rides on a white horse and on his thigh is this inscription which says, King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who when he approaches, the church begins to sing, Open up you doors, lift up you ancient gates, for the king of glory now comes in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, mighty in battle. And one of the things we're going to do over the next many weeks till he tells us to stop is to begin to recognize him as king and rise and obey him because he commands as king. Something I'm so looking forward to. And so the last thing we are appointed to is we are appointed to Micah 6, 8. We are appointed to Micah 6, 8. And here's what Micah 6, 8 says. And it is the nature of your king, eh? Micah 6, 8 says, What is required of you, Acts 29? Here is what is required of you. What are you appointed to, Acts 29? Here's what you're appointed to. You are required to act justly. To walk with mercy or compassion. And to show humility. Three things. And this is why in Matthew, I mean today, what's his name? Don was singing Hosanna, Hosanna. And as he was singing that, I'm picturing Jesus coming to the gates of Jerusalem. But what is he riding? A blooming donkey. Behold your king who comes riding a donkey. And we'll talk about the justice of God. The mercy and the compassion of God. And the humility that the king walks with. I'm so looking forward to it. Derek. Derek.